Duke Energy offers these tips for understanding your bill. Check the number of days in your billing cycle. Most bills are for 30 days, but there are times when the billing cycle is shorter or longer. If there are more days in the bill, it could be higher. Look at average kilowatt hour uses per day. At first glance, your bill may look higher, but if your average use is similar to the same time last year or in a month with similar extreme temperatures, it's a normal bill. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232. Duke Energy presents Stage and Stuff, promoting arts and entertainment in and around Hendricks County. Interviews conducted by Peg Glover and Deanna Hinesley, with commentary by Amy Scott and Shane Ray. Hello, this is Deanna Hinesley, and I'm here with my good friend Peg Glover this evening. And we're going to talk about stage and stuff, arts and entertainment that are going on here in Hendricks County, and interesting things that you'd like to know about. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is uh, some, a resident that we have, a local resident who has international presence. Good. His name is Ricardo Laranja. Ah. And I would love very much to tell the story of how I got to know Ricardo. Ricardo is our music director at Mary Queen of Peace in Danville. And for a long time, we knew he was a gifted musician. And then I was asked to do a video for our capital campaign. And I heard that Ricardo had some experience in videography. So I connected with him, and he said, well, Peg, why don't you just come over and visit me in my studio? So I knew before I walked in that he was a professor at IUPUI, and that he also was our music director. But when I walked into his studio, I knew immediately he was so much more than that. <laughs> so let's introduce Ricardo. Say hello. Hello. How are you guys doing? We're glad to have you Great. with us, Ricardo. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> so tell us just a little bit about your background. Well, I'm mainly a musician, you know, and uh, my background goes back to when I first started, I guess, uh, as far as a pianist. And that's what I, I play is the piano. Um, today, I am a, a professor at IUPUI, and I teach the the music department. I teach there for the music arts and technology department program, and so I do I do teach sound design and and music production, and that's like recording and and doing things like that. Um, putting sounds in movies, putting sounds and doing commercials and things like that. And uh, I also teach other courses there and anything that has music. So music for the listener is one of the courses I teach a lot. So I love teaching. What music. does that mean, music for the listeners? You know, it's a great course. It's, uh, it's basically a music history course. And it's so important for the students because um, they they not only get to see where the music that they listen to today came from, but how it developed over the, the eras, you know, way back from the medieval and even before ancient times to today. And it, it's so interesting to them because they get to learn about certain instruments they never even thought about. And they have all of these different um, songs. And, and, they, and one of the things that's required from the course and I love, this is one of my favorite things I do with them in that 
particular course is that they actually have to go to two symphonic um, concerts. And a lot of these students had never, ever been to the symphony before. And so they go and they come back and they're like, wow, this is amazing. I might be going more. And of course, they get student discounted tickets, right? So they, they only have to pay 10 bucks to these $60 tickets, you know. So they enjoy that fact. And then they get to take, I think the most special thing that they get from this, too, that I get from reading their concert reports, because they have to write concert reports, is that they usually take their parents or grandparents or brother or sister and it's just so special you know to them to do that for their parents and grandparents and siblings and and so it's really nice I now really your students it. the ones that you are sending to the symphony which i'm really excited that you're doing yeah but are these uh students who are it's just a general course this is a general course it's a humanities credit actually core credit at IPOI. So they they take I have students from all kinds there. I got the the teachers, elementary school teachers to um you know, medical students to engineers, everything in, in, under the sun there. Well, I ask you that question because I happen to know that your core classes, the ones that you were brought to IUPUI to teach, mm-hmm. are not specifically designed for that. No. Uh, can tell us a bit about that. You're talking about the the music production song. That's what I'm courses. talking about. Yes, yes, yeah. No, they the course that I the other course that I've been teaching a lot lately, because um, I've taught basically 15 different courses in the past. I don't know seven years or so that uh, I've been teaching at this particular school. I also taught at the School of Informatics before, but um, um, this particular course is great because. You don't even have to be a musician to take this course. Uh, but the person that takes this course gets to produce music and uh, um, from scratch. So they, they get to you know, learn how to edit a sound file. They learn how to um, add sounds to a commercial. And then they add, then, then they have to learn how to play the music. They actually have to buy a key little keyboard and then they learn how to play the chords and learn about this the little his, the theory about that. And then they produce their own song. And then at the end of the semester, which I actually just finished this last week, we all get together in a, a room uh, in a studio at the university and we write the rest of the song. So they end up with actually a full completed song from scratch. Yeah. That is very interesting to me to, first of all, find out that those students have such excitement about going to the symphony if they've never been oh, yeah, before. Oh, yeah, yeah. And also that they get to produce something and have a product when they're when they're finished. So yes. that must be very exciting for you. Oh, yeah, it's great. And, it, you know, you never know what you're going to get, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, this particular project is kind of is very cool because they all of the students, there's 20 students in the class, they all submit a project that has a it's completed song without any vocals or any extra things in it that they produce at the end of the semester and then I pick three of those actually I don't pick they vote for the three best ones that they feel like is the best ones and then we put them put all the students in the groups and then we go into the studio and record 
you know, Ricardo, this is all very exciting. And this is stuff that I knew about you before yeah. I walked into your studio. So I'd like to back up a little bit. Okay, let's do and it. This is so typically you. <laughs> I know. I ask you a question. You I get excited. About, you get excited about your students. <laughs> That's great. Sure. But let's back this up and talk about where you grew up, where you were born. Yes, I am from Brasilia in Brazil, and it's not Brazil, Indiana. <laughs> no, that's not Brazil, Indiana. <laughs> no. It's a Brazilia. country, Brazil. Yeah, and it's Brasilia is the capital of Brazil. There's about 2.5 million people there, I believe, something like oh. that. Yeah, yeah. So I lived there all the way until I was 10, and that's when I, I moved to New, uh, Albany, New York. And my parents were coming to the United States to get their master's degree. And so that's where I first came when I came to the United States. And that's where I started to learn how to play music. That's where my interest in music started uh, a little to solidify. So, yeah. And so after two years of being here, then we went, after they were done with their, their degree, they, we went back to Brazil for a couple of years. And then um, um, from the time that I was here, my music teacher invited me to come back and said, hey, why don't you come back? There's you know, so much more I can help you with, and you can stay here. And you know, I was getting along really well with the school system and everything. So I came back and lived with my music teacher for a year. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, ended up um, going back to Brazil for not too long then. And finished high school when I was 16. And okay, then you're jumping. You're I'm jumping, jumping around I'm jumping. again. There we go. Okay, because I want to know about, uh, I've actually seen a copy of your musician's professional license. Yes. By the time you were 12 years old. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was 12 when I uh, went back to Brazil. Okay, and when I was there, um, I took a test uh, from the union's, musician's union that would um, allow you to perform professionally. And so when I was um, 12 years old, that's when I took that test, that exam, and I ended up that I passed it. <laughs> <laughs> and so the story goes that, that Peg knows is that I was the, the pronounced the youngest professional Brazilian musician wow. <laughs> because I had passed that test. <laughs> so, and you played professionally. I did. I played nightclubs. I actually had a, a special <laughs> um, license to be able to perform in nightclubs because I was underage. And my parents had to come with me, and there was all these paperwork that needed to be signed all the time about it. But I was able to perform in nightclubs and do different things like and that. You made pretty good money. I did, yes. Okay. I actually was, when I was 13, I uh, played at a five-star hotel in Brasilia. At the, pent at the top there, they had a restaurant. And uh, it was really cool because you got to meet a lot of important people, I guess, famous people that would go by there. So that was kind of fun, you know, when you're 13. <laughs> people love to um, hear a young person yeah. be accomplished at a at, at Yes, a and, you know, I was very blessed to have a lot of good incentive from a lot of people, you know. And that's, I, I, f I feel like I wouldn't have been where I am if it wasn't for the incentive of my parents, for, first of all. And all the friends and that always pushed me and helped me to go. To and I know you're a very humble man, so I'm going to say it. <sighs> I understand you were known as a child prodigy. I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it's funny because I, I attribute that somewhat to the fact that I am a very small person. <laughs> and so maybe I looked younger than I, than I seemed at the time. But no, I, I did, you know, I composed, I guess, the a combination of things. The fact that I could play things that I could at a, such a young age and um, the fact that I had written a book about music theory kind of helped. At what age did you write this book? Um, I wrote it when I was 12. It was, it was <laughs> finished when I was 14. It was published when I was 16. Yeah. My goodness. But I used it all throughout the time. I just didn't get it published right away. But I used it. I had actually, when I was 13, I had about 30 piano students. Yeah. You were an instructor? Yeah. At that age? Yes. And I, that's one of the things. I mean, I've always been a teacher. You know, I taught my friends how to ride bikes, how to swim, how to drive. You know, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I that I think that's why I'm a teacher today. You know, you're a teacher at heart. Yeah. Well, I was wondering if you were inspired to uh, start playing the piano from a family member. Did your parents um, play a musical instrument or? No, you know, it's funny. Is that really not a lot? Anybody in my family really plays. You know. Um, it's funny. There's a funny story. My my, I have nine cousins, and my grandmother. We're the, we're for a long time. We were the only boys in the family. There was only three boys, which is me and my brothers, and everybody had everybody else had girls. My mom had three sisters, and they all had girls, and so they all that my grandmother had bought pianos for each one of those families. Except for ours, (laughs) because we were all boys, (laughs) of course. (laughs) And I'm the only one that plays, so there you go. (laughs) So that's how it works out. I know you mentioned when you were playing at the penthouse in the five-star restaurant uh, that you had played for some pretty big names. Yeah. In Brasilia, who was the the one name that you like to talk about? Wow. Do a little name dropping. Oh, of course. (laughs) There was the most famous maestro of Brazil actually came to to that restaurant just to see me play. And he actually wrote the preface of my book for me. He did a, a letter on, in, that's in my book. So I was very proud of that, that fact that, that you know, he got to come and he said nice things about, you know, me playing. That is wonderful. And yeah. didn't you play for the president? Yes, I played for, for the president of Brazil. It's a pretty, pretty cool story, actually. The, I was at uh, the uh, governor's, uh, senator, somebody's house. The, mm-hmm. I don't even remember exactly. Too young it, was, really it was a senator. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a senator's house, I believe. It was a party, and the president was present there. And um, if I back it up a little bit, there was a there was a musician friend of ours that we knew, and he had been a musician for over fifty years. And he, and I told him I, we, there was this conversation that we were, that I was going to be playing for this party, and that he that the the president was going to be there. And he turned to me and he said, "What well, you know his song, right?" I'm like, "No, I don't know the president's song. <laughs> I've never heard of that." And so he had been around enough. And that he knew the president's song, that had the president had written a song. Oh, yeah. Wow. And so he showed he showed me how to play it. And so when I was there at the party and I'm playing, you know, it's just background music, 
you know, I, the president got up and he was walking right next to me. And I, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the president. And I stopped playing what I was playing and I started playing his song. And it was really great because he had walked by me and then he stopped. And then he just sat there for a second. And then he came back. And then somebody had told him that, and, and he sat there and listened to the whole song and I played the whole thing for him. And, um, it was great because like all these photographers all of a sudden like everybody's around me and the piano and the and the, the the president and so he sat there and he was very nice and he said wow how do you know this song and then somebody had mentioned to him that i was only 13 and he was like oh my gosh and then a funny story about this is that um my grandfather was a military general of the highest rank in brazil and so but he had passed away in 1982, so this is way past that. And so he, when he passed away, he left me all his suits. He had like some 35 or 40 different suits. And the day I wore one of his suits, and it was exactly like the president's suit. Oh <laughs> it was great. <laughs> so I have a picture of the, 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 the um, official photographer for the government had taken a picture of me with the president and then uh, he actually had signed the picture and put a little note on it and sent it to me. Wow, what a treasure. Yeah, it was really great. And it was a really great moment for a 13-year-old, you know. Yes. Uh, And then uh, then it was all over the newspapers and everywhere, you know. (laughs) So it was kind of (laughs) cool. And then when you um, got out of high school. Yeah. So when I was done with high school, I actually went to, I was accepted to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Everybody thinks it's in, 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 in California, but that's, that's a different Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> this is Berkeley College of Music. And so it's in, in Boston. And so I was 16 when I went to Berkeley and ended up that I was the youngest one studying music there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. And uh, I got a uh, a piano performance degree from them. And then um, I got to meet the, the owner. His name is actually Lee Burke. <laughs> and Burke Lee, I guess that mm-hmm. sounds better. <laughs> Good play on words or names. Yeah, yeah. 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 It was funny because he actually, I, he took me out of my class. He had somebody come grab me because he wanted to meet me. Yeah. So we went, I went to the Prudential Building in Boston. I don't know if you've ever been to Boston. They have the Prudential Building. That's where his office was. Beautiful office. Yeah. Now he's retired, and I think he lives in uh, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and from there, didn't you head out to California? Well, at first I went to, to, to uh, Germany. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to Germany for a year, and I studied classical piano which I'm not a classical pianist by any means. I am actually a jazz musician. <laughs> but uh, I went there because I had an opportunity to go, and, and so I was like, well, I can go to Germany. I've never been to Europe, so I went. And and basically that was when I played the most in my, in my life. I played basically eight hours a day. Yeah. Oh, and, mm-hmm. and performing and practicing? No, mainly practicing. Okay. Yeah, didn't really. I only performed um, a couple of times. I performed with a, a Greek band. Believe it or not, my my neighbor. It's this is how funny things you know things work really funny because my where I lived, my neighbor below me 
was a keyboardist to this Greek band. Oh. Yeah. And so I got to be friends with him. You know, I just out one day I was in my room upstairs playing, and then he knocked on the door. He's like, I hear keyboards up here. And then I was like, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to be so loud. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. You got this wrong. I'm enjoying it. And, and, and because I am a, p- a pianist myself, I'm a musician too. And I had never heard him playing downstairs. I must be, when he was playing, I wasn't home. So... But um, <clears throat> so I went and uh, we got, became friends. And uh, one place I played in Frankfurt was the music hall. So that was nice. I had to perform some Brazilian music for them. Brazilian music, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Frankfurt and their music hall, I'd say. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice. Yeah. And then after that, and I went then to California. Then you went to California. Mm-hmm. And, and I you... studied at the Grove School of Music. Which specifically is? In Van Nuys, California, mm-hmm. which is a suburb of uh, um Is LA. that where you began to study um, um, movies? Yeah. And music for Compositions. Movies? Compositions. Yeah. yeah, that's where I did the composition um, program and keyboard program there. And, and um, it was great to be there because you got to rub elbows with some people that you wouldn't normally. I, I don't feel like you, you would. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the people that uh, was in my class, this is kind of a funny story because this older guy, you know, at the time, you know, I was 19, 20, right? And uh, this guy was in his 50s, and uh, his name was Mark James. And we would we were in a, uh, it was a styles class, so we had to learn different styles of music, how to play different styles. Well, this guy is always next to me. He sat next to me, and we were always like, man, you need to teach me some of that samba, you know. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I can teach you any time, you know, whatever. And then one day I noticed that every day he would show up with a different convertible car. (laughs) And I'm like, this is kind of funny, you know. So I said, okay, Mark, what's going on? Why do you show up here every day with a different convertible? And he's, he's like, I like convertibles. <laughs> I'm like, well, I see that. But <laughs> do you own all these cars? He's like, yeah, I own all those cars. And, and I was like, okay, well, what are you, what are you rich? <laughs> you know, I was being funny, you know, funny to him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 no. That's not, he was really humble, too. And uh, so he, uh, he, I said, okay, well, then tell me how you can afford all these cars. Because he showed up one day. He had a green 1963 convertible Jaguar oh, in goodness. mint condition. It was a beautiful car. And so um, I said, "This you're not just a normal person. I know you're not. And, and he just, he, he said, well, you know, you know that song, You're Always on My Mind? I'm like, yes, I know that song. He's like, I wrote it. <laughs> Along with another, I don't know how many songs that he had written for Elvis and for all these other people. So he was like, you know, had five Grammys or something like that. I don't remember. But. Didn't you tell me you met Henry Mancini? Yes, Henry Mancini was actually very good friends with the owner of Grove School of Music, who was uh, Dick Grove. And, and uh, they were from that bebop era. <laughs> and it was great, just, just the jazz. It was just amazing. And one, he would come to the school and do workshops. And I was actually working in the office, and so I got to bring the artists, and that was 
come into the school to do the workshops and things like that. So I, I was able to go see uh, him to get his stuff in for, for one of the workshops. And I got to talk to him a little bit, which was a lot of fun. And, and I was just like, man, this is amazing that you're Henry Mancini. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so I told him, I said, I, I do anything just to, to have a coffee, a cup of coffee with you one day. And he's like, well, let's put it on the schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. One other person I'd like for you to talk a little bit about, just simply because uh-huh. I'm addicted to this television show, Uh-oh. is Jack Smiley. Uh- <laughs> Yes, Jack Smalley was my film composition teacher. Oh. Yeah. He used to teach at USC. I think he still teaches at USC in uh, California, and he used to teach for the Grove School of Music. Now, um, yeah, he is, he wrote music, arranged music for Game, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Every yeah. time I listen, I think the music for Game of Thrones is amazing. Yes, it is. And it's very well arranged. <laughs> it is, particularly the Battle of Winterfell. Oh, yeah, yeah. The music played such a huge part. It was like another character. Yeah. So that you know what's fun. funny is that I'm supposed to play commencement at IUPUI this week. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, they didn't, for the, for the School of Engineering Technology. Well, one of the songs that they don't want me to play is Pomp and Circumstance. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, what song would you like me to play? And that was the song that they mentioned. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they're like, oh, you can play some Game of Thrones uh, music. And I'm like, that's that's funny. (laughs) That is funny. That is funny since you knew. And then somebody somebody else said uh, Star Trek, which just drove me to it for a loop. Then I'm like, okay, now I know that you guys are all nerds. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) That puts you where you are. (laughs) And so now here you are after all this and living in Avon, Indiana. Yes, it's great. You know, I came to Indiana because of I was trying to get a master's degree in, in media production and uh, a music media production at first. And I ended up going to, I was accepted, I was getting I was looking for to get a master's degree. So I was accepted to NYU, I was accepted to Miami and Coral Gables, and I was probably going to go to Miami because I felt like that was the warmer place. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> so, um, but my mother called me one day and she's like, hey, there's a school in Indianapolis that does music technology. You should check it out. I said, okay, well, let's go over there. And so we drove down and uh, ended up going into the, the building. And um, um the person that met me in there was actually the dean of the School of Informatics in the Media Arts and Science program, and Daryl Bailey. And that's, um, um, he started showing me all the things that his program did, mm-hmm. which had to do with video and um, programming for media things and, and 3D animation and all of these cool things that I was like, wow, this is really cool. So then, after a, a lot of thought, you know, I, I, uh, I said, well, if I go to Coral Gables, I'm going to do more of what I've been doing, which is composing and arranging music for media and different things. If I do this program, I'm going to learn all these new skills. <laughs> Always great to have a new experience. Yeah, and so I felt like I should, and I would have been closer to my parents, which was right. really important to me. So I decided to stay here and uh, 
got my master's from the Media Arts and Science Program. But you still do uh, national and international work, is that correct? I do, yeah. You know, I've done some work, uh, some movies for a Brazilian company and Brazilian producers. What about commercials? Yep, commercials. I've worked on um, Starburst commercials, the most recent one, but I've done a Jolly Ranchers one. Um, Let me think. Doritos. (laughs) So... Yeah, and then, you know, just a lot of different... There's a, a, a guy that I work quite often with that actually has been... Uh, he's, a, he's a director and a producer, but he's also a compositor. And a compositor is the person that takes... You know, if you think of uh, Iron Man, he worked on this... He worked on Iron Man and all these big movies, right? Like 30-some different big blockbuster movies. Um, but everything you see inside the Iron Man's mask, when he's looking through his mask, all that stuff, he makes those. Yeah. And so I, I, uh, he is a producer, and he has actually came to Indiana. He's from Indiana. He was one of my students. And he, um, he's, um, made, he, compo- he produced this movie. It's a, a natural disaster movie. It's a tornado movie. Oh. Yeah, and I was in charge of uh, doing all the sound effects for the movie and getting that all set up and going in a location recording and all that. Well, quite an interesting life. And yeah. I, we've just touched the surface <laughs> in the past few minutes. Yeah, It's interesting well, what is right here in Hendricks County that yeah. um, expands out to the, to the nation and the world. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of that. But I appreciate you coming today and telling us what your what your job is and well, what you have interest in. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Peg. Well, you know, next month we're going to have um, a person from the arts field, and that's uh, Jessica Saunders. Uh, Jessica has some art that is displayed now in the State House. So I think that'll be an interesting interview, and she can tell us a little bit about what she does and where you can find her art. So we'll look forward to that. But thank you very much, Ricardo, for joining us today. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. See you next month. All right. Take care. Energy says the best way to avoid billing surprises is to track your use. Duke Energy customers who have a smart meter can sign up for a usage alert. Similar to data alerts you get from your cell phone company, a budget can be set for the amount of your monthly energy bill and receive notices when you're approaching your limit. Residential customer service specialists are available Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. by calling 1-800-521-2232.